0: everyone and welcome to fired up the hottest sports show in central ohio the show where four sports fans talk sports for the fans our topics for this evening are the nba end-season tournament is underway halfway through the nfl season who's trending in the right direction and who is not jimbo out at texas a&m a gritty win by the wolverines recapping week 11's biggest games Eight teams with college football playoff hopes, predicting who will win Week 12's major games
1: in the college football realm. With that, I give you our assistant chief of our fire brigade, Colton Cal. Thanks, Matt. We're here on a uh, Wednesday night in the studio again. Uh, just me and Matt in the studio. The chief chief is out again. Uh, so we're going to walk you through a bunch of these topics. Got a little bit of a mixed bag, but mostly mostly football on the slate. But uh, going to start off with a little bit of uh, NBA news to get it get it going. Um, so, as you all may or may not be aware of, um, the NBA has rolled out their in-season tournament this this season, uh, and and most teams are are two games in or kind of halfway through uh, what they call group play. Uh, so we just want to kind of recap that, kind of look at the standings, you know, give our first thoughts, first impressions so far, uh, you know, going going through this. Um, so I got uh, got the standings pulled up.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. we can go Eastern Conference and Group A standings. We'll start with the Indiana Pacers. They're currently sitting at 2-0, and uh, followed by the Atlanta Hawks at 1-0. and And then surprisingly, the Philadelphia and the 76ers right now are in third after two games at 1-1. and So showing in this group play one one two losses and, and you're done with this thing you're, mm-hmm. you're out you're not going to advance <coughs> uh, you got the cleveland cavaliers then oh and one and then the detroit pistons who look like they're pretty much out of this thing with uh two losses already at 0 and two
1: mm-hmm. yeah absolutely you know yeah group group a there yeah i, I kind of looked and um saw you know based on where the standings are you know teams played you know a handful of games last night for this nba se- season tournament and you know. Quickly before we go through the rest of the you know rest of the groupings um, after you know all the teams have played each other once in the in the group play uh, there'll be eight teams that advance to what they call the knockout you know the knockout where that's kind of where the real tournament starts if you will um, so that that eight teams means each group so there's six total groups each winner of the group will make it to the knockout round and then a wild card from each conference. So one team from the Eastern conference, one team from the Western conference will make it to the, uh, the knockout stage, which is then, you know, single elimination win winner or go home type deal. Um, <clears throat> and the wild card team obviously has then determined who the next, you know, kind of best team, you know, teams that didn't obviously win their group, those next best teams from any of the three groupings. So Eastern group, a, Eastern Group B, Eastern Group C, and then it'll be one team from West Group A, West Group B, or West Group C that, uh, you know, wasn't able to win, win their particular group. Um, so, you know, like Matt mentioned, the, East, the Eastern Group, East Group A, you know, the Pacers sitting atop there. Um, I, I looked into, you know, maybe some of the analytics and, you know, what, what people are thinking or, you know, given percentages of who they think is going to advance into the knockout stage, um, they give the Pacers obviously sitting there at 2-0 and the highest chance, at almost 63% chance to, to win, uh, to make it into the knockout stage. Now, that includes, I mean, again, they don't have to necessarily win their group. They can still be like the next best team and be the wild card team, but they're sitting pretty well atop their their group alone. Right. And, you know, with that 2-0 and record, they have a pretty good shot that even if they lose a game here, have a pretty good shot to be that wild card team that represents the Eastern
0: Conference. Right, so I wonder what the next kind of thing up then do they go to like point differential to kind of help decide that wild yeah, card? Yeah, I
1: think it goes then, you know, based on point differential against the obviously the the other teams that you played, you know, in the group in the group play, um because yeah, there probably will be a lot of teams that are, you know, there's what five teams, so you play four, you know, four games or whatever, so there probably will be some teams that go to a lot of teams that go two and two mm-hmm. or, you know, three and one or, you know, whatever. Um, so then, yeah, I think they look at, you know, uh, point differential then uh, is kind of the determining tiebreaker Then going going forward. Um, and uh, they like the, you know, kind of the next best odds or, you know, good chance to make it out of that group, possibly to make it to the knockout stage, is then the Atlanta Hawks, who have only played one game so far in that Eastern, you know, Eastern grouping, uh, but they give them about a 36% chance to, to make it to the knockout stage. So, um, you know obviously yeah we we thought the Philadelphia 76ers would be you know the team to team to beat in that group but the Pacers are you know showing that they're they're a surprise team here in this in this grouping but you know still a lot you know 3 4 more games left to be played for all these teams so anything anything is possible going right. forward but the Pacers have set themselves up pretty well so uh, then moving over to group B in the Eastern Conference uh, you got the Miami Heat currently 2 and 0 the Milwaukee Bucks 1 and 0 uh, the Hornets one and one, the Knicks zero and one, and the Washington Wizards at zero and two. Surprisingly, even with the Heat off to a two and zero start, they are not the highest chance in their group to make it to the knockout oh, stage. Wow. Uh, they still like the Milwaukee Bucks, giving them almost a sixty percent chance to make it out of the uh, knockout stage. Now. Hmm. Granted, the Heat have about a fifty percent chance to make it make it out of the knockout right. knockout stage, but
0: uh, and you got like their chances. I mean, they're already at a plus thirteen <coughs> on the point differential, which mm-hmm. is, is ranking right up there with, right. with the highest. So yeah, you, yeah. You know, if they don't make it as the best team, mm-hmm. you got to like their point differential, right?
1: There. And and among the teams, you know, the Heat, you know, the the Bucks obviously within that grouping have the highest percent to make it to the advance. So they're they're saying they think the Bucks are obviously going to win this grouping, mm-hmm. but. If you look at the next best odds of you know a team that they don't possibly think to win the group, the Heat have the highest chance as that wild card team to make it, given like I said, almost a fifty percent chance. They're the highest, you know, highest team that you know they're not projecting to possibly win win their group. So they still like the Heat to to advance as the wild card team. They just still like the Bucks, who've only played one game in this grouping so far uh, to to win this group. Um, I'm not sure if the Heat and the Bucks. Well, I don't believe that the Heat and the Bucks have played each other just just yet. So that will probably be. Whoever wins that game probably wins, you know, wins this group or takes, you know, takes home the crown. So, um, I'm
0: kind of surprised Milwaukee's getting all that love. They they really have kind of struggled to gel right. as, as a new team here with the, the, their additions in the offseason and the big trade. Mm-hmm. they really haven't put it all together yet. So, right. it's kind of surprising they, they think, you know, they're giving them that that good of odds right. this early into the season mm-hmm. knowing what they know so far.
1: Right. Yeah, absolutely. So, we'll see how that group. I mean, they're still giving the Knicks a pretty decent chance. They've only played one game. They're 0-1 so far, but still giving them like a 15% chance to make it out, you know, make it out and make it to the knockout. Uh, the Hornets and the Wizards, you know, practically 0% at this point. So um, then moving over to the last group in the East, uh, the Boston Celtics sitting atop the division, or the group 1-0. and 0. Uh, The Brooklyn Nets at 2-1. and 1. The Raptors, who surprisingly have not played any in-season hmm. tournament games. I don't know how that's possible. Right. Um and then the Bulls zero and one, the Magic zero and one. Obviously, the Celtics—they're giving almost an eighty-six percent chance to win this, or not even win, but advance to the knockout mm-hmm. round. Uh, the Nets then in the next closest at thirty-seven, r- roughly thirty-eight uh, percent, sitting at two and one. You know, so it's kind of yeah, kind of crazy to me that yeah, the Raptors have not played a single game, but the Nets have played three. I you know, I don't know how that you know schedule worked mm-hmm. out, but. Anyways, yeah, um, looking at this draw,
0: the <laughs> Celtics really seem to have got gotten the easiest path
1: in, mm-hmm, into mm-hmm. The, the next round of this thing. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, you know, the, the Bulls, the Magic, they've practically given them almost a 0% chance to make it. Given that the Raptors have not played a game, they're giving them about a 10% chance to make mm-hmm. it to the knockout round. So... Uh, obviously the the breadwinners are you know the team that that looks like they're gonna be you know moving on, and probably the only team to move on from this group will be you know the boston the Boston Celtics. so um obviously, again, three, four more games for most of these teams to be played. so again, things can can change in a in a heartbeat because right. it's literally one one night, you know you play you know good one, you know anybody. In the NBA, where it's you know the parity is pretty high, where any team can beat any team on any given night, you know things things can change in you know in a couple of weeks. So, uh, you know the knockout round I think starts you know sometime in December, like first week, first or second week in December. So, only a few more few more weeks left here before we're you know talking kind of elimination rounds. So, uh, then moving over to the Western Conference, we got Group A. Uh, surprisingly, in this group, we got the Lakers sitting two and zero. Uh, in this group, and probably even more surprising, the Utah Jazz at two mm-hmm. and zero in this in this group.
0: And these two are just dominating right. this group. Mm-hmm. I mean, the Lakers have a point differential of plus
1: thirty, and mm-hmm. the Jazz aren't far behind mm-hmm. at plus mm-hmm. twenty two. So yeah. these guys are just blowing out their mm-hmm. opponents. Here. Right, right. Um, Portland Trailblazers Blazers sitting at one and one. Uh, the Phoenix Suns sitting at zero oh and one, and then the Memphis Grizzlies uh, sitting at zero oh and three in this one. I think for me. The surprise, yeah, the Lakers and the Jazz sitting atop, you know, the division or the group right now. I think even more surprising is the Grizzlies are, you been know, off to a bad, bad start, uh, not just in this in-season tournament, but just the season in general uh, is, is not, you know, not a team that's been in the Western Conference and has been competing and been, you know, one of the top seeds here the last, you know, couple of seasons. This is definitely not how they saw their season starting out. So we'll see uh, at this point. They're giving them a zero percent chance of making, you know, making the having lost three games when they only have one more left. Yeah, there's practically no chance at this Mm -hmm. point. Um, Giving the Lakers about a seventy-eight percent chance to to make it to the knockout. The Jazz at forty percent, almost forty-one percent. Portland less than two percent. The Suns, you know, they're giving them about a twelve percent chance to make it make it out. Um so we will we will see there what what happens but uh you know look like the Lakers going to be the team you know the team to beat out of that out of that group A. Uh then group B, uh you got the Denver Nuggets defending NBA champions 2 and O, uh almost an 80% chance to make it to the knockout stage. Uh the Houston Rockets, uh 1 and O with a 22% chance. Uh the Pelicans 1 and 1, about an 8% chance. The Mavericks sitting at one and two, about a two and a half percent chance, and then the Clippers, who have been an absolute disaster since trading for uh, James Harden, have not won a single game since trading for James Harden. They're sitting at the bottom of that grouping at zero and two, still giving them a two percent chance to possibly make <laughs> it out of that round. But um, obviously, the Nuggets, you know, the the, the winners, or you know, the team that we thought would would be coming out of this group. Uh, they look like a hot team, you know, not just in this in-season tournament, but a hot team on the season so far. I believe they're still undefeated at home, so gonna be gonna be a tough out once we start the knockout knockout stage. But uh, you know, outside of the Rockets, really, you know, that's about the only team that really has a, a better shot to to possibly make two teams out of that out of that group. Uh, then you get into the West Group C, where it's uh you know there's there's a three-headed kind of a three-headed monster. You got the Minnesota Timberwolves sitting at two and o, uh pulled out a gritty win last night against the Golden State Warriors. Uh, they're giving them an, out of all the teams uh, in the Western Conference, they have the highest chance to make it to the group. They're 84% oh, wow. um, to make it to the to the knockout stage. Uh, then behind them you got the Sacramento Kings at one and o. they They uh, giving them a 35% chance. Golden State one and one, sitting at thirty three point seven, or you know roughly thirty four percent. Oklahoma City one and two, giving them less than one percent chance, and then the Spurs zero and two. They practically have written them off and saying zero percent chance to make a, make the knockout stage. Yeah,
0: they may not make the knockout stage, but man, <laughs> Wimby's looking good this year. You know he's yeah. it's been fun to watch. Right,
1: uh, the big battle between him and you know Chet Holmgren took place. I believe it was last night or maybe a few nights ago um you know the two the two big men that will probably be battling it out for for rookie of the year, you know even though Chet technically came into the league one season before wimby yeah, he didn't didn't you know didn't play at all, so they still considered him a rookie, so it'll be interesting to see that and and they're somewhat the same build you know tall lanky mm-hmm. yeah you know long arms things like that um so it'll be interesting to see you know those matchups you know throughout the season uh because those two teams are in the same, same division, uh, not, not just in this group play, but division NBA division. So they'll, they'll see a lot of each other throughout the season. So it'll be fun to watch those, you know, watch those matchups. But uh, yeah, Timberwolves obviously look like the, the team to beat in that, in that grouping. It's kind of
0: surprising there and that odd being exactly. so high with the, the three headed monster mm-hmm. there. I mean, any of those three could really win this thing. Mm-hmm. You would have thought it would have brought the odds mm-hmm. down just right. a bit. All
1: right. Yeah. Um, but uh, you know, similar to the Eastern Conference, you know, the Jazz right now have the highest chance to make it out as the the wild card team. It, you know, basically what they're saying, they're giving them up, like I said, almost a 41% chance to make it to the knockout stage. And then the Kings and the Warriors are kind of right behind them. Kings at 35% and then the Warriors at, at 34%. So, um, you know, the, the <clears throat> team to beat or the team to, you know, try to, you know, hope that, They lose a game here or there is is the Jazz if you're one of those teams trying to get a wild card spot in the Western Conference. So, like I mentioned, a handful of games still left. You know, some teams, you know, uh, have to play all four games. Some teams, you know, two, three games still left on the slate. So, again, on any given night, any team's capable of beating anybody. So, things can really, really change in a a heartbeat. So, um, you know, we're obviously going to be checking in on this once we kind of start Knockout, you know, knockout rounds, and you know, kind of win or go home format. But at the moment, you know, it's, uh, yeah, it looks like the team to beat is is the Celtics over in the East, and then surprisingly, the Timberwolves mm-hmm. over in the over in the Western Conference, obviously giving them the high the, the two highest percentages to advance to the knockout knockout round. So we'll see, uh, you know, what comes out over the next coming weeks. Like I said, December first part of December is when the uh, knockout stage will. We'll begin, and we'll see. You know who's who's hoisting this NBA in-season tournament trophy at the end of the you know the end of this thing. So first, you know inaugural in-season tournament that the NBA is doing. So we'll see who can you know bring home bring home the gold. So, yes, um, all right. Well, we got uh, football then on the slate for the rest of the evening. Uh, before we get into a little bit of college news or we're going to start with the, uh, start with the NFL. Um, so we're about at the midway point of the, of the season. Um, teams have, most teams have played either nine or ten games, so we're about, you know, midway through. Uh, so we're going to kind of do our midseason check-in, just kind of see who we think is our kind of Super Bowl favorites, um, who we think, you know, bringing home some hardware uh, as far as the MVP goes. Uh, maybe most surprising team at the halfway point and then, you know, most disappointing team so far through the through the halfway point. Um, so we'll get things started with uh, Matt. Who, who do you think who's your favorite to win the Super Bowl or favorites to, you know, up here in the Super Bowl?
0: Yeah, I, I picked my my match up here. I got the, the seven and two Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, and, man, they're, they're doing it different this year. You know, usually they've been that offensive force that's just blowing teams out. But, man, their defense is playing awesome. They've only given mm-hmm. up 143 total points mm-hmm, this season. Mm-hmm. They're, they're firing on all cylinders. And when you got a player like Patrick Mahomes leading the way, yeah. I mean, it, it's just hard to beat. So, I yeah, I, I like the Kansas City Chiefs there to make it, make it to the Super Bowl. And I like them going against the 49ers. I know mm-hmm. they've been on a bit of a slide here mm-hmm. lately. Uh, they lost, you know, three games. But – Still, they've only given up 143 points as well. Mm-hmm, I mean, mm-hmm. these are two of the best defenses in the NFL, and that yeah. 49ers defense just got better, picking right. up Chase Young mm-hmm. to, to pair there with uh, Nick Bosa. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's one heck of a dynamic duo coming off the edge. Mm-hmm. And, you know, winning the Super Bowl or going to the Super Bowl, defense wins championships, mm-hmm. and both these teams have it this year. Right. They're both playing lights out. They both got all-stars <laughs> on the offense. Mm-hmm. You, you know, like I said, you got Mahomes for Kansas City. And then you got uh, Christian McCaffrey there and the
1: 49ers mm. there's just guys that refuse to lose mm.
0: you know I, I like both
1: their odds there. yeah yeah absolutely um, you know for me I just picked I picked one team like one team to just win win the entire thing. I like the 49ers um, to, to, to win this whole you know win the Super Bowl uh, like you mentioned, they came into week 10 kind of on a slump three game you know started out undefeated and then lost their next three games straight. Went into their bye week with more questions than answers. So what do they do? They go out and make you know make some deals, tighten up that already ungodly defense and make it even better uh, for you know dirt cheap. And what do they come out of the bye week? They come out, they play angry. They go against a, a a Jacksonville Jaguars team that's you know up there in the top of the AFC standings. They come out there, they only give up three points. They score thirty four. Um, so. Definitely a statement win for them coming out of the bye, you know, to, to prove or to show, hey, we're, we're still legit. That, that three-game slump, that's behind us now. We're moving forward here. Uh, but, yeah, this is a team that, that can put up points. They don't give up points. Um, you know, they're on all of their offensive drives, they're, they're scoring on almost 45% of their drives. Now, whether that be a field goal, a touchdown, whatever, Forty-five percent of their offensive drives this season have ended in in a, in a score of some right. sort. That's third best in the NFL right now, um, and even more so on top of that, when they get in the red zone, they're scoring on almost seventy percent of the red zone mm-hmm. you know opportunities, which is fourth best in the NFL. Um, for me, kind of the, de- the the defining factor for this San Francisco team, who's not only competing in the NFC, but they're competing within their own division, uh, a Seattle Seahawks team that's. Six and three as well, mm-hmm. um right there, you know nipping on their on their heels, they play the Seahawks two out of the next four games, uh mm-hmm. so for me that's gonna be making or break it's it. gonna be defining for both teams in my in my you know in my opinion so it's it's either yeah gonna separate the forty ers from the Seahawks or the Seahawks are gonna separate themselves from the forty ers we'll see see what happens, but yeah i'm I'm looking forward to those two games um the next you know next couple of weeks that could determine how the rest of the season plays out for, for both franchises. So, all right, well, then uh, moving over from who we think our best team is, who, who do we think the best player has been so far through the season? Matt, who, who do you think?
0: Yeah, for me, like I said, Kansas City, I talked about as a Super Bowl contender, and it all starts and ends with Patrick Mahomes. This guy's thrown for 2,442 <coughs> yards. He's got 17 touchdowns, and he's leading the best team in football. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's a lot of times that, that is your MVP, is the best player on the best team, mm-hmm. and you know the, these guys got it. So you know, I'm 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 going Patrick Mahomes.
1: All right, well I got uh, I got a quarterback. He is in the AFC, but he doesn't play for the same Kansas City Chiefs. Um, I'm going with the guy down in South Beach, uh, Tua Tagalavoa. Um QB for the Miami Dolphins. Uh, another team that's that's off to a good start, six and three, uh, currently first in their division. Uh, this, is, this is a Miami Dolphins team that leads the league in scoring uh, points per game, leads the league in passing yards per game. Um, you look at the stats, the guys up there, top ten, top five in almost every category that you would like to see in a quarterback or you know, a quarterback that's succeeding, um, he, he's up there. Mm-hmm. The, only, the only knock that I you know, have or probably the NFL realm has on Tua or maybe just the Miami Dolphins in general is that the 6-3 and three start right. has been against, you know, the wins have come against teams that are not good. So right. they put up the numbers, they put up, you know, the points against teams that are not very good or that they're expected to beat. It, it's the three losses have been against teams that they, you know, if they really want to prove themselves as being an AFC force, right. they got to beat these teams because <laughs> these are probably teams they're going to see in the playoffs possibly. And they have looked like a different team against the tougher opponents. And, and Tua... Has put up decent numbers, but still not, you know, great or phenomenal numbers. So if you're if you're looking for a knock or you know a possibility why Tua doesn't win the MVP, if that trend continues where against the tougher opponents, the elite teams, this Dolphins team tends to fade, that may be you know something that the voters look at when they're when they're casting their vote. But at the moment, I think this guy, yes, yeah, putting up the stats, you know, leading his team to you know a, a you know, great, great win win loss record and competing in a, in an AFC conference that that is super tough, that's filled with elite level quarterbacks right. at this point. So we'll see how the rest of the you know, next half of the season goes, but that's who I who I got right now as my as my M V P candidate. As long again, and as all also as long as he can stay healthy. Right. That's been, you know, a knock as well. But uh definitely has been the offensive line for the dolphins has been better this year than, than it has been in years years past. So,
0: yeah, he, he can put up all the numbers he wants, but <laughs> unless he wins one or two of those marquee games mm. down the stretch, right. I I think it's going to disqualify mm-hmm. him because mm-hmm. they're, they're just not going to take stock in Right,
1: it. right, absolutely. Um well, then moving back to, you know, kind of a team award or, you know, teams that we think are doing well, not doing well. Uh Matt, who's your most surprising team so far through the through the midway point? Yeah, my most
0: surprising and kind of the, one of the hotter teams in football right now. You got the Houston Texans, mm-hmm. winners of five of their last seven, yep. uh, making the record five and four. Yep. They're fighting on the doorstep of the division lead right, right. there. Yep. You know, you got C.J. Stroud playing like a seasoned vet, mm-hmm. uh, leading his team to comeback victories. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, you know. Uh, and you got to kind of like their chances to be a playoff contender yeah. here because down the stretch they only play two more teams with winning records. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, they, they they set up nicely to right. really have a shot at this thing. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the best teams they play now the rest of the way are Jacksonville and Cleveland, and mm-hmm. they've knocked off Jacksonville once if so they can do it again. Right. they got a nice – I mean, they got a, a good, good chance test. to win the division and, mm-hmm. and head to the playoffs. So, yeah. you know, hats off to, to C.J. Stroud mm-hmm. and to the, the rookie head coach know, out there. Right. And, just all the rookies that that young team is just playing playing above their age right now.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, I think maybe surprising, maybe not surprising, but that's who I have as my <laughs> surprising team as well. Uh, the Houston Texans. Uh, you mentioned it a lot. You know a lot of the good the good things that this Texans team is doing. I mean, if you look at the last two years, I mean, last year this team went three and thirteen, finished dead last in division. Two years ago they went four and thirteen, and surprisingly finished. Third in that in that division, Jacksonville being the only team that was worse than them, Um, but you know this this is a a, a team the last couple of years that has struggled to win games, and you know so far through the midway point, they've almost got more wins than they had two seasons combined. Um, So definitely, and and expectations coming into the season were not high. Again, I mean this was a a team that again we're expecting to be probably a top five, top ten pick again, um, just because. Not the you know knock C.J. Stroud, but the supporting cast. We just didn't know what was what was going to happen. But right. this this you know offense for the Houston Texans has been great. Now the defense mm, has been suspect. Uh, they definitely, if there's been you know one knock on this Texans de- uh, Texans team, it's it's been that defense. Mm-hmm. The the offense is putting up points, but the defense is giving up just as many points. Uh, so definitely something they're going to have to probably address in the offseason, Continue to build towards. But so far through this season, by far exceeding, exceeding expectations. And a team that, you know, with a rookie quarterback, has been able to take care of the ball. Um, as a team, they only have eight turnovers through the first nine games, which is second best in the NFL. And I think that's – I don't even know. That, that's probably 50%, 75%, 90% of, the, of, you know, when you draft a rookie QB, you're not always expecting him to go out there and pass for, you know, 300 400 yards a game right. but it's to limit the mistakes mm-hmm. and you know keep your offense on the field for more opportunities to put points on the board and this Houston team is is you know CJ Strouds taking care of the ball setting this Houston team up to yeah. get you know scoring opportunities which I think is you know something that goes a long way so if they can continue that trend you know through the second half yeah this team can either you know win this division or be a surprise wild card team at the at the end of the you know end of the season so all right. Well, as good as some teams have been, there's just as equally disappointing teams that have been just as bad. Uh, Matt, what's your thoughts? Who's been the most disappointing team for you through
0: the midway point? Yeah, for me, it's got to be the the New York Football Giants. Mm-hmm. These guys were were picked to come in and, and be a playoff contender again. Mm-hmm. Brought back uh, Saquon Barkley. They brought back their quarterback. Yeah. Got, both got deals in the off season, <coughs> and you know. Things have gone bad from worse. They've only won two games, and, and right. now their quarterback's out injured, uh, looking like for the rest of the season. Yep. So not looking pretty there in mm. New York. And mm. I don't know. That offense, with without their starting quarterback, can't move the football, and, mm. and their defense isn't playing any better. They're, right. ju- they're just giving up points left and right. Mm-hmm. This team is, is, is a semblance of the team they had a year ago. Yeah,
1: yeah, absolutely. Definitely taking a, taking a step
0: back from where they
1: were. But uh, for me, I, I got a team – east coast kind of in the same region but that's the new england patriots mm-hmm. people uh they're two and eight uh, you know when was the last time that that happened right. um and you know obviously at two and eight they're last in their division uh, i mean this was a team that finished third in the division last year you know eight and nine just below 500 you know just missed out on the playoffs last year but i mean this team is just you, you talk about bad to worse mm-hmm. i mean they're Mac Jones has regressed every year that he's come into the league. I don't know if it's him. I don't know if it's the Patriots. I don't know if it's the offensive coordinator. I don't know. This whole team just seems dysfunctional in every, you know, every aspect of the of the game. Um, and, yeah, I, I think at this point it's, it's looking like the whole thing is going to get get blown up. Right. I mean, they're calling for Belichick to be fired. That was going to be
0: my question: Is he going to make the seat? Are they going to let him go out on his
1: own terms? Right. Or is he going to get fired? Right. and get Kicked out of town. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's it's you know crazy how things quickly change in the NFL. Um. You know because obviously it was only a, a few seasons ago that this Belichick was you know Belichick was hoisting Super Bowl trophies mm-hmm. or at least playing in Super Bowls to have a chance to hoist a Super Bowl trophy, and in just a few short years, I mean, yeah, it's gone from yeah. Top of, you know, top level, top as you can get to bottom level, not any lower than that kind of deal. Um, And I don't know what the answer, what the answer is. Um, This offense is just dysfunctional. The defense can only do as much as they can do when the offense can't, you know, really sustain drives or really put, you know, any points on the board it just yeah there there's you know just a lot of you know a lot of mistakes a lot of things going on in that New England Patriots you know locker room and team i think that they're going to yeah they're going to blow it all up i don't know if mac jones is their qb going forward um you know I, and i can't again can't pull, fully put it on mac jones because man what what kind of talent or what kind of guys have they surrounded i mean right. when was the last time the the patriots had a thousand yard receiver or even you know close to a thousand yard receiver they haven't had it they haven't found it you know since they drafted Mac Jones what what can you really expect um you know so i think it just yeah a lot of bad pieces a lot of bad decisions over the last you know 3 4 years by this organization that has led to why we're we're talking about this team being the most disappointing team through the midway point so I don't. I don't see things getting any better for this New England team. You know, through the second half, they may just want to, you know, tank the season and try to get, you know, a top ten, top five pick and, you know, move on for for next year and set themselves up.
0: Well, the funny thing is, if they do, he'll probably trade it because Belichick doesn't like the right. drafting high. Right. <laughs> right.
1: So it it'll be total. Could be a totally new regime there in New England. You know, depending on how the rest of the season goes, I, I don't know. It, it's going to be going to be tough but uh yeah it, th- things are not looking good for for a new england team that that you know is used to winning games and and you know being in the playoffs and making deep playoff runs so all right well we're going to take a real quick uh, commercial break stick with us. we'll be right back this podcast is sponsored by podbean podbean is the easiest way to create your own podcast we use podbean to host fired up Download the free Podbean Podcast app to start, record, and publish your very own podcast in minutes. Podbean provides everything you need to run your podcast, and you can record and publish episodes directly from the app on your phone. Download the free Podbean app today. That's P-O-D-B-E-A-N. Head on over to Podbean at www.podbean.com and use the code PODCAST21 for your first 30 days of podcast hosting for free. Check it out! And we're back. Thanks for sticking with us. Uh, continuing on with football, but going to be college football the rest of the rest of the way. Before we get into you know specifically the games from last week, and looking forward to this this week. Uh, got a little bit of head coaching change news going on in college football. Uh, Texas A&M has chosen to fire um, head coach Jimbo Fisher after spending six seasons with the six plus seasons with the team. Uh, but it's going to cost him a pretty penny to let let Jimbo walk, uh, roughly a little over seventy six million dollars in buyout money <laughs> that they had to, you know, watch it walk out the door. Um, Matt, what's your thoughts thoughts on this? You know, uh, good move, bad move? What what what, do, what are you thinking?
0: Yeah, I'd say good move. I mean, we've kind of been talking about it all season <laughs> long. Every time they they just they, every big game mm-hmm. they they can't get over that hump mm-hmm. and win. I mm-hmm. mean. Yeah, they're good enough to to be a to be a you know a tournament team or I guess a a, a, a bowl a bowl eligible, a bowl eligible team right, you know right. and so they always go to a decent bowl you know they win enough games in the SEC for that mm-hmm. but they those marquee games against you know the Alabamas the. Yeah, Georgia, LSU, that stuff. They just – they can't get over that hump. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I think the, the writing has been on the wall all season long. Yeah. I, it was time to go. I mean, he's he's 42 and 25 – or 45 and 25 in his time there with Texas A&M. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, man, what a, what a fall from grace for this guy because he was one of the hottest coaches on the market after right. he won the national championship at Florida State in 2013. Right. He'd, Took the Seminoles to an all-time record of eighty-three and twenty-three. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So you know, I mean, I, I I think this guy will find another gig, yeah. but but he just didn't turn out to to be kind of the the savior mm-hmm. guy they thought he was going to be bringing him in from Florida State.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think uh, for for me or maybe for Texas A and M is that you know. I think the talent wasn't the question. Um, This guy was able to recruit or bring in the recruits. I mean, Mm -hmm. just this season alone, they had, you know, top 10 recruiting class. But you would think that that recruiting class or, you know, these last several recruiting classes and even recruiting classes going forward, you'd be able to translate those, you know, multiple top 10 and top five recruiting classes into, you know, total domination in an SEC uh, but it just hasn't translated to that on the, you know, on the field. Um, and I think that that was, you know, where Texas A&M and, you know, some of the backers just, you know, enough was enough um, in the sense that, yeah, we're, we're paying this guy all this money and we're getting the talent. The talent is there, but we're not winning. We're not yeah. winning those big games. We're not – I mean, Texas A&M has not won the SEC West division since Jimbo's been there. They haven't even made it to the college football playoff. Uh, you know, so Texas A&M, with their deep pockets and, you know, whatever, obviously $76 million, they, you know, they scoffed at that. Right. They had no problem letting him go out the door. They'll bring somebody else in and probably, you know, spend a boatload of money again um, mm-hmm. to see if they can, you know, get things turned around. The you question know, is, who's out there? Right, right, exactly. You know, obviously – Dion's name has come up. I don't know that he's necessarily ready for for something like this in this you know moment um you know he he's had some you know some up and down success at Colorado only one you know one not even a full season yet under his under his belt um and i And I don't think that uh you know Dion is playing into that because you know people have asked him in you know his press conference as of recently you know, hey, what about, you know, Texas AM Or what about this, you know, this job? Or, you know, some of these bigger time programs or whatever. And he's kind of scoffed at it or, you know, said like, you know, I, I'm not listening or I'm not hearing that noise right. or whatever. So it seems like he is somewhat committed to Colorado to, you know, try to make their program, you know, turn it around there before he's ready to start looking for bigger, bigger programs. Obviously, money talks um you know with with texas a and m being able to you know break out the checkbook and here's a blank check. what's right. your price. Um,
0: and you know, with all that talent in texas a and m all those top recruiting classes, he'd have a hard time going in there and and doing what he did in Colorado. Right. I mean, he was able just to, to mold that into what he wanted. Right, right. I, I think you're kind of going to be stuck with some of those guys. Right, you're be stuck with A&M, what you got but, yeah. at,
1: at Texas A&M. And, and you know, what? I, I think to a certain degree you're going to be able to make some changes or whatever, but probably not to the degree that, that he did in Colorado where it was almost a complete overhaul of, of the team, you know, the whole program, if you will. Um, but – and, and I think with the backers and all that stuff the you know, the donors and everything right. that X a and M, obviously we all know money talks. So with those donors, they got a little bit of influence too. Yeah, uh, you know, Colorado, obviously not, you know, as an elite, you know, football school, not as deep pockets. So not as much influence on what the head coach does and, right. you know, doesn't do, you know, Texas a and M, you know, football reign supreme in, in the state of Texas. So, they definitely going to have their hands in the in the cookie jar, so I just don't. Yeah, I don't know how that would work, or you know, I don't know that Dion's ready for that for that moment just yet. But yeah, I got to agree with you, Matt. I don't know who who's out there that you know is is gonna be any better than what they what they had or you know um, or whatnot. So we'll see see what Texas A and M decides to do. Um, you know, they they have promoted their associate head coach, Elijah Robinson, to serve as, you know, the interim head coach, you know, going forward for the rest of this season. Um, but, but man, I just go back to that that buyout, man. $76 million yeah, to, to, to do couch. nothing. Um, and, and the crazy thing is, is that actually 19, almost 20 million of that 76 is due within the next two months. Jeez. So he gets almost 20 million in the next two months to yeah. do nothing. I
0: could live the rest of my life on that. Right.
1: <laughs> and then... From there, they pay him roughly a little over seven point two million dollars every year through twenty thirty one. Right. Um, so for the next almost ten years, this guy is getting you know a fat paycheck of seven million dollars, to from a school that he doesn't coach at, doesn't work for, right. doesn't teach at, doesn't do have any association <laughs> with whatsoever. And you know here we here we are. But you know it it's been the trend. Um, you know we're, we're you know because this guy back in 2021 got a 10-year contract that was 95 million dollars fully guaranteed right. um and here we are two short seasons later and he's out the door but it it seems to be that that's been been the trend with you know recent programs is that they see some mild success or you know have one decent season or whatever pay the guy a boatload of money and then the next season or next couple seasons mm-hmm. the teams not very good or not where they expected to be. And they're kicking them out the door and, you know, but kicking them out the door and sending them with a bag full of money at the same time. So I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what, what Texas A&M is able to do, uh, you know, still a season to go. So, you know, we could see a lot of other coaching changes right. that happen and, you know, whatever.
0: Well, that's funny. You bring that up. Cause to me, I, I think next up is going to be uh Another man we're going to talk about that played last week, Lane Kiffin, who mm, just keeps mm, losing mm, big game right. after big game. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Uh, so we will see see what happens, but obviously Texas A and M has their has their work cut out for them. But uh, Jimbo Fisher will no longer be a part of those part of those plans going forwards. All right. Well, then uh, looking at our our games from last week, and uh, you know what a start for me coming back on the show, going to perfect five and zero last week. So. Uh, I'll take that any any time. You know, taking some weeks off and coming back and hitting it five and zero. But uh, we uh, start start over in the in the Big Ten, the Big Ten matchup uh, between you know the Michigan Wolverines and the Penn State Nittany Lions. Uh, Michigan pulling out a, a a big win, a critical win for them without their head coach uh, pulling off twenty four to fifteen. Probably a score that really wasn't as close as what it what it appears mm-hmm. in this one. Uh, somewhat of domination from a Michigan Wolverines team both both offensively and defensively uh Matt what you what your thoughts on this game
0: yeah like I mean dominant offensively on the ground right I, right you got to be a little worried about right. the passing game mm-hmm. out of that I mean I know they didn't have to but right right you, you kind of want to want to see it mm-hmm. I mean I think it's kind of been falling off for mm-hmm. them mm-hmm. you know this late part in the season mm-hmm. so you know I, I guess if there's any concern coming out of this game for Michigan fans that right. would be it other than that that defense was awesome, total mm-hmm. domination in this yep. game. And, you know, it's, it's kind of what we called going in. Penn State, against good defenses, can't move the it's ball. Show D- right. doesn't right. show up. Drew Allaire doesn't show up, and that offense just doesn't do anything. Mm-hmm. It was more the same. I mean, this game was pretty much a carbon copy of the Ohio State-Penn State game, right. almost identical
1: scores. Mm-hmm.
0: And, yeah, uh, Michigan did it on the ground. Ohio State did it through the air. Right.
1: But <laughs> right. Same
0: exact same result.
1: Yeah, exactly. I think, uh, you know, Penn State, you know, fired their offensive coordinator. Heck, at this point, they probably should have fired their defensive coordinator. I mean, at one point in the game, Michigan ran the ball 32 straight times. Yeah. How in the heck can do you not, stop, not stop? You mean, you know what is coming, A- and it's Michigan. It wasn't like they were doing any kind of fancy runs, right? I mean, mm-hmm. they're literally lining up under center, you know, eye formation. And old hand, school. Yeah. Hand, man, hand, hand it ball. off to the left, hand it off to the right. You know it's coming, and you still – can't figure it out. Mm. Yeah, I think the defensive coordinator probably should have been packing his bags and heading right. with the offensive coordinator. But, you know, we continue to talk about it. James it Franklin. Should just been James Franklin. Yeah, James Franklin may be out the door as well. I mean, this is a continued trend for, you know, a Penn State team that plays well against every other team or every other, all the other teams in the Big yeah. Ten.
0: Any team not named Ohio State right. or Michigan. Right,
1: and he's done done well. But against Ohio State and Michigan, he's 3-17. and 17. Um He's 3-17 against top 10 teams. So that doesn't include that that includes Ohio State and Michigan teams that are ranked in the top 10. But even against top 10, 10 teams that aren't Ohio State or Michigan, mm-hmm. he doesn't have a very good record against them either. Yeah. I mean, it's just the big you talk about big games. This guy, you know, and they're playing at home. You know, what what more could you you ask right. for in this po- at this point? Now, pumped up, loud. Right. You know, Michigan obviously down their head coach. That may have played more motivation and helped Michigan in this sense. But, again, it, it just a lot of things that, yeah, has been a trend for this Penn State team against better competition. They, mm-hmm. they fold in those in those moments. All right. Well, moving over then to the SEC, uh, top 15 battle between Tennessee, the number 13 seed at the time, and number 14, Missouri. Uh phew. Not even a close close game. 36 to 7 yeah. coming out on top in this one. Yeah, this is my, uh, my lone loss for the week. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I, I think we both thought this would be closer than 36 <coughs> oh, yeah. to 7. Oh, yeah. But man, Tennessee or Missouri took a page out of Tennessee's book mm-hmm. and had that balanced offense. Mm-hmm. They ended up rushing for 255 yards, three yeah. for 275 yards. Right. I mean, you look at the stats in this game, and it, it, it doesn't feel <laughs> like it should have been a 36 7 game. But no. I mean Tennessee just couldn't couldn't sustain
1: anything. No. Yeah. And, and, it,
0: and Missouri just knocked them out.
1: Yeah, and I think once Missouri got kind of a couple touchdown lead in there, obviously this Tennessee team, they do have somewhat of a balanced offense, but they do tend to lean more on their running game to mm-hmm. get going, but you're I mean it, from behind Yeah, in this game they only mustered 83 total rushing yards. Yeah. But at at some point you had to somewhat abandon the run because you're down so many points, you got to start scoring quick. Only way to really do that is is through the passing game. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they, you know, good job for Missouri's defense to kind of get Tennessee out of their element early on in the game. Uh, but man, hats off to Missouri's running back Cody Schrader. Uh, you talk about a guy, you know, a one-man wrecking crew. Uh, guy carried it 35 times, ran for 205 yards, but then caught the ball five times for another 116 receiving yards. Wow. So Missouri or you know Tennessee's defense got beat by really. One guy, guy. Um, and but you know, hats off to him. He played electric in this one. It was the difference for this Missouri team that got their offensive rolling. Tennessee was just never able to get into a rhythm, um, you know. So hats off to Missouri. They 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 take home a big a big win in the SEC. Uh, moving over to the Pac-12, uh, we got the Utah Utes that took on the number five seeded Washington Huskies. A close game. Huskies come out with a victory by a touchdown, thirty-five to twenty-eight. Uh, I think the difference for me in this game, they pitched a shutout. The defense for mm-hmm. Washington pitched a yeah, shutout yeah. in the second half. Um, gave up obviously 28 points in the first half, but you know came out and made the second half adjustments and and you know put this Utah team away. Allowed the offense to you know do what they normally do of scoring points. Uh, but yeah, the difference was the second half. You know, for from the defense.
0: Yeah, yeah like I said, this game went exactly as pro- pronosticated by both of us here. Yeah. You know, it was. Uh, Washington Utah Utah was going to have a good enough defense to, to slow Washington right. down, keep them in the game, keep yeah. them in there. But right. their offense just wasn't going to be able to do enough to right. keep up, and, it, and ultimately that's what
1: happened. Right, just a tale of two halves. I mean, yeah. this Utah team, the first half came yeah, out right. and, and they were scoring left and right. Yeah. Uh, right, and then the second half it just all went downhill. Right. They they had I think six drives in the second half, and only one of them made it even past fifty yard line. Oh. So it just yeah was was. You know, night and day difference for for these two teams. The first half, you know, Utah somewhat dominated. Washington kept it close. It wasn't like it was 28 to nothing at halftime or anything like that. But the second half definitely was won by by the Huskies in the in the second half. So they continue their march. Uh, we'll talk about them shortly. Another tough game for them on the slate, but uh, looking you know looking to keep their you know playoff hopes hopes alive at this point. Uh, then moving over to the ACC, um, the Miami Hurricanes took on the four number fourth ranked Florida State Seminoles. Another close game that you know Miami tried to do everything they could to stay in this game, but ultimately Florida State came out 27 to 20. Um, I, I think this is what I thought it would be. I didn't think Miami was going to be able to win the game, but I thought their defense they could keep it keep keep them in the game. They did. The difference for me was you know you look at some of the mistakes that Miami had. They only had one turnover, but Florida State had zero turnovers. Right. You look right. at the penalty. One was huge. It right. was late. Right. It was- it, you have penalties. Uh Florida State only had three penalties. Miami had seven penalties. Because you look at the stats, the stats are pretty, pretty darn close to being yep. equal. Uh, you know, same total of yards, same time of possession, same third down conversion, you know, mm-hmm. all that stuff is very, very comparable. Yeah, so so like that one, it, you know, one just, small things. Yeah, just a few mistakes here and there, penalties and turnovers. You know, Miami may be looking at going to overtime or, you know, winning this game against a Florida State, you know, team that, you know, battled it out and, you know, got, got a gritty win for them to keep their playoff hopes alive. But, yeah, Miami just, yeah, too many somewhat mental mistakes down the stretch that, that cost them. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm waiting for it to eventually
0: cost Florida State one mm-hmm. of the. I mean, they've been flirting with fire all yeah. season long. Yeah. And it's, I'm, I'm waiting for it to uh, yeah, it's interesting. come back and bite them.
1: Interesting that you say that because this is the fourth time this year that Florida State has trailed in the second half. Mm. Uh, four, you know, fourth time, you know, four games, they've actually been down some, at some point in the second half. They've obviously been able to win all of those games. Right. But, yeah, it, you, you can only flirt with disaster for so long before yeah. it finally, you know, catches up to you. We'll see, we'll see what happens. But uh, definitely got their work cut out for them to, to try to put a half, you know, two halves together for this yeah. Florida State team. Um, then moving over to our last game, you talk about a team that put two halves together. Um, the Georgia Bulldogs with total domination of, of Ole Miss by a score of 52 to 17. Um, yeah, y- you want to talk about, you know, Ole Miss got off to a great start, scored two touchdowns in the first quarter, only mustered one field goal the rest of the way. Uh, you know, and, and Georgia, the, the foot was on the gas from the opening kickoff, mm-hmm. and they never let off of it. Uh, this is probably Georgia's to this point most complete victory, Absolutely. biggest win for them so far through the season, and it propelled them to number one. Yeah, rightfully yeah. so. Right, they, uh, you know, they've played obviously some other top ten, top fifteen, top you know twenty five teams, but they've been close games. They haven't necessarily put teams away or really dominated in those games. This one was, yeah, got off to kind of a, a shaky start, but after they kind of settled in, it was it was total domination, and and again, an old Miss team that just. Didn't didn't show up. Didn't, yeah. Wasn't able to play a full sixty minutes. Uh, that that was what I talked about on the show last week. This Ole Miss team has the talent, has the ability to to compete with these top teams, but you just don't know what you're gonna get uh, week in and pass. week out. Uh, I mean, they yeah got off to a hot start and just oh, moral victory. Hey man, we're we're tied with Georgia mm-hmm. through the first you know quarter or first you know couple minutes or whatever. It's good enough for us. Well, yeah, you're gonna have to play whole 60 minutes to win this, to beat this Georgia, this Georgia team. Well, it's
0: funny because these Georgia teams have been known for their defense. This game was a freaking offensive explosion. Mm-hmm. 611 total yards, 311 through the air, 300 on the ground. Yeah. I mean, wow. Yeah. Hats off they, to that they, they woke
1: up a sleeping giant, that's for sure. Um, so, we'll see how that propels Georgia going forward. You know, only a handful of games, you know, left on the, left on the slate. So, well, talking about the, you know, handful of games that are left. We're at week twelve, um, and we're gonna pick you know five more games on the on the slate here. Uh, starting off with two eight and two teams that surprisingly not ranked in the in the latest college football playoff rankings. Uh, that's the SMU Mustangs at eight and two taking on the Memphis Tigers at eight and two. A noon game over on ESPN two. Vegas currently likes the Mustangs by eight and a half. Matt, what's your what's your thoughts on the game? Yeah, you know I, I think Vegas is it probably has it right, and I, <laughs> I think it's going to be on the
0: heels of their stout defense. Mm. They're only holding teams to 16.4 points per game, yep. playing playing really well on that side of the ball. I, yep. I, I think that's going to be enough to hold Memphis mm-hmm. down, and, and
1: SMU gets it done. Yeah, yeah, I, I like I agree with you. I like the SMU team in this one, I think the difference is the defense. I think Memphis's offense has the ability to to score points in bunches just like SMU does, but down the stretch SMU will get a stop here and there. Mm-hmm. You know, this is a Memphis defense that's given up over 400 yards a game and almost 30 points a game, so they're scoring points but they're giving up a lot of points at the same time. I just think in a close game like this, SMU will find a way to get that one stop. That may be all it takes is getting mm-hmm. one stop in a in a high-scoring affair that, that could be this game. I like SMU as the complete, more complete team. I like them to win to win this game. <clears throat> uh, moving over to the PAC out, out west, the Pac-12, uh, two seven and three teams. Number twenty-two Utah at seven and three taking on number seventeenth ranked Arizona Wildcats. 230 game over over on the Pac-12 network. Vegas is is having a hard time with this one, but they like the Wildcats by just a single mm-hmm. single point in this game um Matt what who who you taking this one what's your what's your keys here yeah
0: you know like you just said Arizona's a one point favorite Utah scores six less points than Arizona per game they give up three less points per game so by that logic Arizona should be a three point favorite mm-hmm, in this thing mm-hmm. but you know what I-, I don't think Arizona gets the win I think oh. U- Utah gets it done. Mm-hmm. I think they bounce back like they have after every <coughs> loss this season they okay. you know that they're, they're they're coached really well mm-hmm. they're they're a dedicated team yeah. a ton of pride, mm-hmm. lots of discipline. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that's what you need to be able to back back yourself up after after a loss mm-hmm. and get back in the win column and I think yep. that's exactly what Utah does here.
1: Yeah yeah I, I would tend to agree if Utah was going back home to play this game Arizona gonna be at home in this game I think in a in a close game where yeah Arizona's only favored by one point having that home crowd behind you this is a Wildcats team that that's riding a four game win streak and they 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 haven't just beaten you know Joe Schmo off the street and they beat some good teams. Washington State, Oregon State, UCLA, Colorado in that four-game winning streak. I think the streak continues. I like Arizona to win this one at home on that four-game win streak, but I think this is going to be a, a tight ball game, a, a pretty back-and-forth. Could be pretty low scoring with, with Utah's defense that, that, you know, still playing at a, at, a, at a pretty decent level that, you know, we're used to seeing. Yeah. Can Utah get enough offense? That will be, be the key in this one. Um, moving over to the SEC, uh, we got those number one Georgia Bulldogs at 10 and0 taking on the 18th ranked Tennessee volunteers at seven and three 330 game over on CBS uh, Vegas likes the Bulldogs by 10 points
0: Matt you, you think they're right yeah you know I, I think so and it- just, I mean, you look at last week and these teams couldn't have played polar opposites. Mm-hmm. Georgia is super hot and Tennessee was super not. Right, right, <laughs> I mean, yeah, absolutely. And I I, th- I think that just, that continues into this week. Georgia's, yeah. Georgia's getting hot at the right time. They're, right. they're playing their best football. Mm-hmm. Tennessee's kind of going the other direction this time of the season. it's yes. Not a good time to be doing it. Right, right. I, I think ten and a half and may not be enough.
1: All right, yeah. Um, I got, got two buddies that are going to this game. I think if Tennessee hadn't dropped the you know, dropped the ball or, you know, laid an egg last week. This game would have had bigger implications going into it. I think it's lost some of its luster. Obviously, still a big game in the SEC. Georgia going on the road against, you know, a top 25 opponent. But, man, what I saw from last week, uh, you know, from this Georgia team, I think that just, yeah, this, can, this Georgia team is continuing to get better. I don't even know if that's possible. Uh, you know, a team that's won back-to-back national championships. And hasn't lost a game yeah, in like two years. Yeah, <laughs> right. Can, can you say that they're getting better? Um, I think that's probably scary for the rest of America at this point. But, yeah, they, they just continue to, on both sides of the ball, continue to make strides to get better. Um, and that, that's going to be tough tough slate for, for Tennessee. In this one, I, I, you know, like I said, Tennessee likes to set up the run or likes to get their running game going. Mm-hmm. I I think that they're gonna have to do that. They're gonna have to control the ball, limit that Georgia offense from getting on the field, pick up some key third downs here and there to really sustain drives. But I just I don't see it happening for a, a full sixty minutes. I think Tennessee can stay close in this one early on, but but Georgia just just too much talent on both sides of the ball. I think Georgia gets a gets a win, gets another convincing win, and and, and dominates this yeah. Tennessee team. <clears throat> All right, uh, fourth game then, uh, the Battle of Kansas. Uh, got Kansas State seven and three, number twenty one ranked, going against the twenty fifth ranked Kansas Jayhawks at seven and three, seven p.m. Eastern time over on Fox Sports One. The uh, Kansas State Wild or Vegas likes the Kansas State Wildcats by point by seven and a half points. Uh, Matt, what do you what do you think about this? Does Kansas have any chance? Yeah, I, you know, so far in the season, Kansas
0: State they're scoring six more points per game than Kansas. They're also giving up eight less per game. Mm-hmm. So, you know, looking at that that's those stats, I, I look for this trend to stay kind of the same here. I, I think Kansas State does enough to get it done. Okay, I, I do think this is a close game, okay. though. You know, you got that. That in-state rivalry, mm-hmm. I, I think that means a lot to both these teams. I, I think it's a, a touchdown, three-point type game. Mm-hmm. But I think Kansas State and their quarterback, Will Howard, can do enough to,
1: to finish it out. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you talk about quarterbacks, Kansas is looking for one. They're down to their third-string quarterback yeah. at this point. Um, you know, a true freshman by the name of Cole Ballard that had to come into the game last week. Didn't play terrible, but, you know, in the moment, you know, could play as well as you could, you know, being kind of just thrust into the moment. Uh, This is a Kansas team that's kind of reeling coming into this game. They've lost two out of their last four games um, and going up against another tough opponent in Kansas State. Um, You want to talk about efficiency? You know, the Wildcats, Kansas State, they're scoring touchdowns on their red zone trips 80% of the time. So you better best, you know, if you're the defense – do not let them get in that red zone because you're probably giving up six points. And, you know, you can't be trading three points for six points all day long. You know, when I went to school, three is always less than six. So uh, I, I think this Kansas State team, with all of the injuries to Kansas right now, especially at the quarterback position, I just – there is a big question mark at, at, at Kansas. I like the more, you know, answers we have at Kansas State. A solid quarterback in Will Howard. I think Kansas State gets it gets it done on the road. Then our last game on the on the slate, another Pac-12 battle. Um, number five Washington looking to keep their undefeated season alive against number eleven Oregon State at eight and two. Surprisingly, Oregon State the favorite in mm-hmm. this game by two and a half points. Matt, what's your thoughts on this game? You think Oregon State can pull off the upset? Yeah, you know Oregon State on the season
0: is only scoring three less points per game than Washington, so you know they've got an offense that can keep up with Washington's offense and. We- We've seen even against Utah, Washington doesn't right. play defense. No. You know, I mean they did in the second half, right. but that was against a not so great right. Utah offense. So, right. you know, I don't take a lot of stock in that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they're also giving up three less <laughs> points per game than uh, than Washington, so their defense is slightly better than Washington's. Their yep. offense is just about as good. Right. You know, I, I I actually like Oregon State's chances here okay. at home. I, right. I think Washington hasn't played a a, a really good defensive mm-hmm. team that. Can also keep up with them on the offensive mm-hmm. end, yeah. and I, I think that's where the difference happens here. I, I think Oregon State can get that one stop, mm-hmm. turn it into a score, and, yeah. and, and pull the pull the big upset yeah,
1: here. All right. Yeah. Well, I, uh, I, I I went back and forth on yeah. this pick. I definitely struggled to make the make the pick. I ultimately landed with the Huskies. Uh, for me, the difference in this one is going to be what can Washington's offensive line do. On the season, they've only given up seven sacks the entire year, which is the fourth fewest in the country. If Oregon State is going to have any chance to win this ballgame and slow down this Washington offense, they have got to, got to, got to get pressure on Michael Penix. If they do not, and they allow him just to sit back there and and pick them apart, this could turn into a blowout for this Oregon State team. But if they can get some pressure, force Penix into some, you know, 50-50 50-50 balls, you know, whatever, and come up with some turnovers. I like this Oregon State team to pull off the upset, but ultimately I just think this O-line is going to come ready to play for Washington, limit the sacks, limit the, you know, big play opportunities for an Oregon State defense that's playing at an elite level. Mm-hmm. I, I like Washington, but, man, I think it's going to be another tough battle for yeah. a Washington team uh, that, that comes out on top and keeps their slim chances or, you know, their chances of making the playoff you know, right right there on the heels of, of Florida State. Um yeah, so. I mean
0: Washington, Florida State, two teams that have been flirting with disaster right, all right. season. All long. season. We're, one of one of them's bound to them.
1: slip up at some point. Yeah. For my sake, my pick's sake, I hope it's not this <laughs> week. So we will see what happens. But yeah, even this late in the season, we still have a lot of good games left left to be played, a lot of stuff to be played for. Um so tune in on Saturday, gonna be another, you know, great, you know, great round of games. So all right, well, that's our show for tonight. So thanks for listening to Fired Up with your host, Colton Cow, Matt Cordes. We uh, hope you enjoyed our episode this week. And if you want to hear other topics for future episodes or, you know, you just got a burning sports question you want to hear us talk about on the show, feel free to reach out to us. We do have uh, several different social medias. You can find us over on Instagram if you search for Fired Up underscore podcast. Or you can find us over on Facebook if you search for Fired Up comma sports podcast. And as always, you can head over to our website at www.firedup1.podbean.com where you can find all of our past episodes and, you know, just a little bit of information about the show. And uh, as always, you can find this episode and all future episodes and all the past episodes on any podcast platform you can think of. Apple, Google, Spotify, Pandora. So all the big players, you can find our show. So we appreciate y'all listening. And as always, stay stay fired fired up. up.